0: Hey, Anthony, it's that time again.
1: To go to the Winchester, have a pint, and wait for this all to blow over?
0: Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast.
1: Oh, oh,
0: oh yeah, that thing.
1: Once again, we have reached that time of the week.
0: Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each
1: other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus,
0: where we have double the films, double the candy-covered clowns. That that was probably the most generic opening we've done since we started. Double the it films. Been,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I uh, I, I figure like I. I usually i always make it up on the spot when i'm talking but this time i said all right i know exactly what i'm gonna say this time just so it doesn't sound awkward Now, double um, the
0: thrills double the crimes
1: i mean i mean i could say that but that's kind of like a little more generic candy <laughs> color candy uh candy color clowns that's you know that's that's related to one of the films we're talking about today that's true yeah <laughs> Oh, man, dude, we got a good one for you guys today, man. We're doing uh, uh, subversive, subversive classics. We got uh, David Lynch's Blue Velvet versus Safti Brothers' Good Time. And uh, this is special, man, because I, I love both of these movies, but this was your first time watching both of them, right?
0: Yes, this was the first time that I went through and watched both of these movies. And I know that you basically told me... You know, when I said I had never seen Blue Velvet, you freaked out because you were like, how is that possible? And then when I said, I, 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 I haven't see seen Good Sharks. Times, you were like, it's it's with your uh, favorite sparkly vampire boy.
1: <laughs> okay, after this, after watching this movie, he's no longer a sparkly vampire guy. You you got, now he's just vampire guy. You got no right to call him sparkling anymore.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, there, there's no way that I'm going to forget that he was the vampire in... Uh, the Twilight series, like even the Lighthouse, didn't make me forget that, and I loved his performance in Lighthouse.
1: You take the sparkling off, and, and we're good. But okay. you can't—you can, you can no longer say sparkling—not after that great
0: performance. Yeah, but, I. Um, we'll get into that. Do you want to jump into that one first, or do you want to jump into Blue Velvet first?
1: Um, I think Blue Velvet because it's more of a classic. Uh, because it's more legendary. We'll do Good Time first. We'll do Good Time first. Yeah, we can do Good Time.
0: Okay, so. All right uh right off the bat uh i went into this movie absolutely blind and mm-hmm. i came out of it loving every minute of it uh this movie surprised me in some ways i didn't expect it to it, it kind of has the same effect as *Cajillionaire*, where it, yes. everything that you're expecting is completely the opposite of what happens. And it's not even like that, like, we're subverting your expectations. It, it doesn't feel so much like a movie as it feels like it's a documentary on an actual crime that occurred.
1: Yeah, I I feel like um, this film, you know, directed by Josh and Benny Safdie, this is the film before Uncut Gems. And, you know, the, the one parallel you can make between two of these films is that they're by the seat, you know, uh... Cinema Verite as filmmaking is like just just great. It makes you feel as if you're actually there with these desperate lead characters trying to fulfill their, you know, um impossible uh, objective. And yeah. the storyline, you know, a man, um a bank robber, you know, tries to free his um, you know, uh, mentally challenged brother from prison. It's so straightforward, but the 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 way the film plays out is anything but.
0: Yeah, cuz Well, to set it straight, the movie does uh, a great job of establishing the two main characters right off the bat in the first, like, maybe two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. And it does this by having a therapy session with uh, the mentally handicapped brother. And I'll be honest, I can't remember the names of the people in this movie because they don't really say their names often. Right.
1: I can, I can find his name. Um, the brother is Nicholas, so Nick.
0: Okay. So with Nick, he uh, is going through a therapy session and everything. He's being asked questions like uh, the – what is it? The loud wheel gets the uh, oil or the squeaky wheel gets the oil. What do you think that means? Yeah, like
1: he – he he's telling them like different kind of sayings th- that kind of equate to um you know the most uh just kind of like like the most on time person gets the rewards or something like that or you know mm-hmm. and uh, at some point it kind of uh, leads to some interesting backstory that gets explained later on in the film if, if you know if you, if you pay attention yeah between um the relationship between his brother and their grandmother
0: yeah so it's it's great because it kind of shows uh. What kind of mental capacity this person is at you know because basically when he's saying these sayings what do you think this means and he just basically repeats well it means what the saying is the squeaky wheel will get the oil you know he doesn't get like the subtext or anything behind it and what was the question that was asked that made him actually open up about uh the grandma hurting
1: you know, I don't ex- I don't remember the exact quote, but I think it was something to do with uh pans or something like that. Something with heat. Then, yeah, he starts to cry. He says, "Why are you crying?" He says, "Oh, you know, my grandmother, she told me I couldn't touch the food and I, I threw the pan." And then the guy is almost like, um, oh, did you did you almost hurt your grandmother with the pan?" And he kind of goes quiet. Like it's a very powerful scene. It's mm-hmm. it's a, it, it's a It's a great way to jump off, especially when his brother, um, Connie, who's the main character, kind of steps in and says, oh, uh, how would you like it if I made you cry and kind of takes his brother out of there. And like it's an interesting dynamic between these two brothers, because like as as an audience member, you know, Connie's not a good influence on Nick, but you know that he loves Nick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You get that very quickly that he really does care for his brother, but he mm-hmm. is a terrible, terrible person overall. And that's established very quickly by him yelling at the therapist and then when, you know, he takes his brother out of therapy he starts telling him no you don't you don't need to tell those people you are who you are blah 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 uh right. here do this do this. we got to go do this you ready for this we're, he, we're gonna do brings this them into
1: a bank robbery yeah like the next scene and dude the, the way that bank robbery was shot like even not the way it was shot but like how like how ingenious it was their costumes as like you know those black construction workers yeah. those masks are very realistic
0: oh yeah yeah, it was a very, like, real kind of thing. Like, it wasn't kind of blown out of proportion, like, oh, there was a big shootout and everything like that. No, it was very calm and, you know, here, put the money in the bag. Now we got to run, you know. Where's the getaway driver? Why is the getaway driver not here? Hey, man, where are you? You know, and...
1: Everything was just boom, bap, and, you know. Then they got in the taxi, and then the, the smoke came out the bag. Like, the yeah. film hits the ground running. Like, you know, um like uh you know from from the chasing to um his brother being captured and and his brother goes to prison, he gets beat up in prison, and that leads to the whole um subplot line of you know Robert Patterson trying to get money and then find out he has to go to the hospital to get his brother like it's just the 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 stakes are raised up and up and up as it keeps going,
0: yeah, and the, there's only like one consistent thing about uh him is that he cares about his brother. You know, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get his brother out of jail. And he definitely cares about his brother. This isn't like one of those, oh, I'm worried that they're going to snitch on me in prison. No, he wants his brother, you know, out of prison and safe. Yeah. So it's one of those strange things where you see this person be an absolute Um, terrible person overall, except for that one aspect.
1: Dude, uh,. You know, I know it's all jokes between us with the vampire guy stuff with Robert Patterson, but I just feel like this was the one film, um, and he's done a lot of independent films, like, before this one, but this was the one film that kind of separated him from the pack, you know, Mm pre-Lighthouse, because it showed that he can, of course he has versatility, but he he plays depression, he, he plays desperation so well in this film, like a guy that's just, you know, similar to Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems, a guy that's, like, so desperate, Willing to jump over anyone to get his objective. You know, this guy's objective is to get his brother to make sure his brother's safe, but obviously he's he's going about it the the worst way, and he's screwing over like the wrong people.
0: Yeah. Well, even when things are going wrong, uh, he just kind of goes with he it to try out. and find out a new like plan. Uh, you can tell that he's he's very smart in his calculations of what he's doing. But he, of course, has absolutely, you know, no control over what's going on. But he's trying to, like...
1: He thinks get, on his feet.
0: Yeah, he thinks on his feet, and he wants to always think that he's in control when he isn't. It it really shows in a lot of scenes. Uh, I think one of my favorite scenes in this movie is after they get back from... Uh, well, I guess, to backtrack a bit, uh, in the hospital, they end up... Uh, trying to break out his brother, and they break out the mm-hmm. wrong person. And he breaks
1: out the wrong person. Yeah. He did it all himself.
0: Yeah, he uh, does. Is the guy that, yeah. So and this person ended up being a drug dealer and everything. So they go to try and get his stash so they could sell it so he can get the money so he can bail out his brother. And he doesn't tell this to the drug dealer. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna help you, and we're gonna, you know, get that." you know, the drugs and everything that you dropped off somewhere to.
1: Yeah. I, um, I feel like, um, uh, like when I, when I first saw this film, this was back in the age of movie pass. So, um, I saw this very early in the morning when nobody was at the theater and um i remember like this film like i expected good things from it but i d- I never watched the trailer i just saw a good review so i said i'm gonna give this a chance because i know robert patterson can act i just want to see him like kind of get his moment and like the film like kind of surpassed my expectations like when that twist happened when the dude woke up and it turns out it wasn't his brother like i mm-hmm. was like oh shit what's gonna happen now yeah you know and Dude, the film, and uh, here, here's why I feel it did subvert expectations for the better. I love the interlude with the drug dealer where he's telling his whole story. He's like, man, I don't even know how I got here, man. I just got out of prison. I met up with my boy. We did some, uh, what, what, what was that? Uh, it was LSD. We did some LSD. We ran into, like, this carnival place running from the cops. I went, jumped into this taxi. The taxi driver was going crazy. speeding. And I had to just jump out. And I was like, Dude, that was a that was an interlude where like if you, if someone had just told you that out of nowhere, you would think it would be so pointless, but it just fits in this film. Right. Like where the yeah. guys telling the story, and the whole time Robert Pattinson's just looking at him, like because he's going through his little trials and tribulations. This is this film is just one big ball of desperation. I feel like if Uncut Gems was anxiety, this film is desperation.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's the moments with. Uh that uh, the drug dealer and him that are some of the best. Like my favorite is when they're sitting in the apartment and they're just waiting on uh, what was it, his phone to charge for him to be able to call his dealer and everything to get money. Right, And they have this little conversation of, you know, you think you're so great. You think that you have everything figured out, dude, I'm, you know, you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You're only getting this little glimpse at me. You have no idea who I actually am, and you're judging me. W- look at you! How can you judge somebody when you're in the state that you're in? I
1: yeah. love that confrontation because these are both two people who have problems. Yeah. One guy's a drunk. He just got out of prison. He, he, like he just he just narrowly escaped a hospital, and he's getting drunk. Mm-hmm. Like this is the reason you you fucked up in the first place. The other guy. He manipulates people to get what he wants, and he can't realize that, you know, to get – while the motivation behind what he does is not bad, the actions he does to get it are not good. Like these are both two deeply flawed people. Like I love that confrontation.
0: Yeah, that is easily my favorite scene in the entire movie, and that's saying something because there's a lot of great scenes in this movie but that one just stands out to me because it's literally just a real conversation and it's not like a Hollywooded up script or anything like that. Like you don't see them like freaking out. It's very like somber moment of him just going, dude, look at yourself and think about what you're judging me on. You're the dude that just broke somebody out of a hospital that you got the wrong person and then you just followed me into a random theme park to pick up drugs that you didn't know if they existed or not. We knocked out a security guard, you know, like what is your life doing that's so great that you're gonna judge me on my life
1: right you're You're literally the reason why your brother's in prison,
0: yeah, so it it uh there's so. Every person in this movie was great when it came to acting. Uh, yes, Robert Pattinson knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. Which he has been doing in a lot of movies, as you mentioned earlier. And, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I, I still I love to joke that he's the sparkly vampire and everything like that. But I am very much aware that he is a great act. Like when he was brought on to be Batman, my first thought, of course, was sparkly vampire guy. Oh, wait. Yeah, he was in Lighthouse. Never mind. He's good. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's vampire guy now. There's no more Sparkly. <laughs> Spark, we'll the see. Sparkly's done.
0: <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it I absolutely love this movie. It surprised me in every way possible and I just yeah, love this I movie.
1: The supporting roles in this film are pretty great too. Like you got Jennifer Jason Lee as his um as a uh, Connie's uh older like I I wouldn't say girlfriend cuz I feel like That's just a straight up like uh, manipulating manipulative relationship because you tell she he's using her right he's using her and you know she's using her mom's money and you can tell there's a lot of manipulation there and um, you can tell she kind of has some issues I like uh, Eyed Abdi as the security guard who they kind of drug and like change oh the one from
0: Adventureland
1: I don't I remember him from um, Look at me Look at me no 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 that's the name of the park now. (laughs) Oh, that's the name of the park. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were talking about the actor, but yeah, that guy. Um, I liked him. I liked. Uh, I liked uh, the the little girl, that uh, that kind of helps them. Whose um grandma uh, house they go in.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. Do you, do you know is. where uh, the car is? Yeah, there's a car here. Do you have the keys? Where are the keys? Go find the keys.
1: Oh man, hey, don't don't confuse yourself. You're only gonna make it worse for me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what he says?
0: Yeah. Um, oh, and then when she's sitting in the car in the parking lot, when he's turning on all the breakers for all this stuff, hold on, I gotta go, something's happening.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, I I feel like that's such a great eight million stories in New York type of moment because like she, you know, of course, when she comes to see what happens, the cops are like, you know, they say to Robert Patterson, who's dressed up as a security guard, hey, you know her? No, no, I don't know her. She wasn't involved. And, like, you could tell, like, she kind of just lets him go and doesn't snitch on him because it's, like, it's kind of like what they say in the car. It's like, hey, do you feel like everyone kind of has, like, a destiny and, like, you you feel that things are meant to happen? She's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I feel like that that scene kind of, like, mirrored that whole conversation they had.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, like, subtext that comes back into play throughout the movie. Like, this is another one of those movies where dialogue is not wasted at all and every bit of dialogue has impact in some way into the future of the movie or something that happened in the movie and Mm -hmm. it it it, this one stands up there with kajillionaire as like one of those surprise hits that i would have never expected
1: um i think the person that got the happy ending in the end and one that really uh deserved it was uh nick yeah because once uh once Connie's arrested and, you know, uh, per what the psychologist said, takes uh, takes responsibility for his crimes, you know, Nick finally um, goes into a therapy class. And you you could tell he's on his road to uh, recovery and, you know, being a I guess I guess being a well-established individual.
0: Yeah, because even the therapist, I believe, says you, you're doing really well now. You're you're improving a lot. You know, this is a good yeah. thing for you. This is a good thing for your brother. You guys, you know, are coming going to come out of this stronger. You're doing better now. Right, um, man, what a messed up family. Yeah, it, it, horrible family, horrible people. Uh, but great movie. I, I, yeah, this one is definitely one that I'll be recommending for years to come. Is like the, you know, Robert Pattinson kind of thing. This might actually replace the Lighthouse as the Robert Pattinson movie I recommend people watch.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, man. Because when I talk to people and. You know i heard all the hubbub about batman like hold up dude from twilight i'm like dude have you seen good time because no and they'll be like good times like the 70s show it's like no 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 no. good time i like no i'm like okay watch that immediately and tell me if he's still uh the twilight dude
0: yeah yeah i'll it, it's gonna be hard for me to recommend this over the lighthouse because i absolutely love that movie so much
1: recommend both both do both yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're, they're both up there and
1: both tell them to watch good time and then tell them to watch lighthouse as a good uh uh good uh, good um cherry on top yeah uh but uh straight up man uh five out of five dude yeah. i just like you i watched this film and it subverted my expectations and it just it took me for a wild ride
0: yeah this one like i said i Put it at the same pedestal as Cajillionaire. Five out of five. No questions asked. It it's up there. It deserves that position.
1: Oh, dude. Uh before we move on, the music. Uh uh one of th- uh on a, on a point never. I don't know how to say his name, but um dude, this this eighties uh synth like score was amazing. It went so great with this film.
0: I I 100% agree. Um that wasn't even like one of the things on my list of like things that were amazing. But yeah, 100%, the soundtrack definitely matched this movie. Same with like the camera work and everything like that. Like the steady kind of I guess rush that everything's always in. It, the camera work yeah, and the logo. music, everything fell right and then the title logo uh
1: with you know the 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 you know the the title where it says good time like mm-hmm. ev- everything did fit man um the Safety brothers like they're directors i'm always going to be looking out for and even like some films they've made before this uh like i know they made a a great sports document documentary called uh Lenny Cook uh that's pretty good um they really uh it's a mix of archival footage and new footage of uh, talking about this um this former high school basketball players like Rise and Fall trying to get to the NBA. Uh they're very talented filmmakers, man. Yeah, I
0: can I can't think of anything that I've seen by them before. Or if I have, I didn't recognize them as they, the directors.
1: They've been independent darlings for a while. I know they made another film called Um. Heaven Knows What, I think it's called. Hold on, let me make sure. Yeah, Heaven Knows What and I think the two others, uh Pleasure of Being Robbed and Daddy Long Legs are like very very independent films.
0: Okay. I don't think I've seen anything else by them then. If I have, it would be kind of a surprising. Oh, I recognize that movie. Kind of an Ordeal. Yeah. But well now, we
1: got to move on to uh, you know. She wore blue. Velvet. i'm not a good singer um <laughs> Well auto tune
0: in, oh, in post
1: <laughs> yeah we'll auto tune in post um oh man i love this film so much i love david lynch's blue velvet but before i say anything um i've always said well i haven't always said but i've always thought that this film blue velvet isn't really a, a film you watch it's really a film you experience and there's really no middle to it. You either really like it or you really don't like it. There's really no in between. So I gotta, I, I gotta understand from a first time viewer what's, what's, what's your
0: opinion of this. So this was one of those movies where, uh, so with Good Times we talked about how it subverted your expectations and everything like that. So you just didn't know what was going on. With this one, it. it there's certain aspects of it that would make you go, is there more going on than what we're being shown here? Like what else is going on behind the curtains of what we're actually experiencing? And I will say for somebody, I didn't know what this movie was about going into it or anything like that. Uh, But when it started off and my original like expectation was, Oh, is this, is this like a horror movie? Is that what we're doing here? Because it As, starts with, uh, I can't remember if he had a stroke or a seizure. but So,
1: I, I can lay it out to you. Um, sunny neighborhood, roses flying in the wind, fire truck man waving in slow motion, mm-hmm. blue velvet the song is playing. Then all of a sudden, uh, homeboy has a stroke, faints. and uh, This is where the film gets weird, and, and you either kind of decide in your mind, okay, I'm all in, or... This might be a little too weird for me. The dog comes in drinking from like the water, yeah, and then it starts to go slow motion,
0: and then it starts and to like go like underground, like, like, and you get like a close up of these like cockroaches or something the like insects, that. Yeah,
1: I love that shot so much because that just that just lays as like a motif for everything that follows after. But yeah. go ahead, go ahead, continue.
0: Well, yeah, because that entire sequence when it happens, you're just going, okay, this is interesting. Uh, I don't know where this is going. Is this going to be a horror movie? Like, why are the insect? Okay, this might be interesting. What are we doing? And then it goes from that to uh, the main detective finding a severed ear in the middle of this like open the main field. Character, yeah, the lead character.
1: He's not. Yeah, he's not a detective. He's he he wants to be one, but um, the main uh character, who his name is um Jeffrey.
0: Yep. Yeah, he just finds a severed ear in the middle of like this field and it's like kind of rotting a little bit. Like it has mold on it and stuff. So it's been there for a little bit and Mm -hmm. everything in the beginning of this movie keeps leading it to being like this weird horror movie. And then it seems to be like one third through the movie. It goes, okay, no, 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 we're not a horror movie. This is just like a very quirky.
1: It's very, it's very quirky, very whimsical.
0: Right. So it's, it definitely like plays with what your concept of what the movie is going to be a little bit, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't like subvert your expectations. It just kind of shifts them slowly as the movie progresses as to what you're expecting to happen.
1: I don't think it's subversive. It. I think it just it, it it takes it, it rips it apart, and throws it back on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Like it's not making you think, "Oh, this is going to happen." And then it, it kind of slowly like winds you down to realizing what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Um I, I totally agree. Uh like I said, um the moment Dennis Hopper's character arrives is the moment you go, "Oh shit, this is a different kind of movie." Mhm. Like 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 you know the um Here's what I want to say. If I explained to somebody the plot of this movie, I still wouldn't really explain it on what this movie is, because they would kind of go, "That's so random. Like, how does that go from that to that?" And I said, "Like, dude, it's just a film. You got to experience."
0: Yeah, it, it. The synopsis of this movie basically would boil down to, you know, uh, boy runs into crime syndicate, you know, family and tries to take it down by without actually taking it down. <laughs> like he's more interested uh, in saving the girl than actually taking down the crime syndicate.
1: I feel like like the most apt description for this movie is like boy loses his innocence.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And then
1: you're still missing some other things. Yeah. Like I want to know like um I feel like the like while Blue Velvet does have its faults um, it's hard for me to see those faults because like the movie like is so impeccably made like um, you don't know whether this film is in present day 50s or 60s and that's on purpose because um, it's, it's such like a the movie is like a fever dream the whole thing is like a very bad fever dream it starts off great and whimsical then it leads into something totally evil and horrifying and then in the end it's like it's just straight up You know love conquers all Mm -hmm. and like i feel like we'll talk about the ending but i feel like with any other movie that ending wouldn't have worked but for this one it works perfectly because there's no there's really no in between with this movie there's light and there's darkness there's there's nothing in between and i like how this whole film is really like this one man trying to decide whether he wants to succumb to the total darkness or stay in the light like I I feel like there's there's strong themes throughout this film but like I want to talk about like Dennis Hopper's character. So of course we got um uh Dorothy Valens who's played by Isabella Rossellini. She's mm-hmm. a lounge singer. Um long story short, uh, the main character, comic McLachlan, uh J- Jeffrey Beaumont, he ends up in this woman's apartment trying to, you know, become become a detective like the the woman he has a crush on's father who who uh he gave the human ear to. I love their, I love their interaction. Opens the bag. Yep, that's a human ear, all right. That's oh to
0: yeah. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> We're gonna drop this off at the coroner's office, and then I want you to show me where you found it. It's just so like on the point, like precise in just what he's saying. You, know, yep, yep, that is definitely a human ear. Uh, we are gonna figure out where this came from, and then you're gonna show me where you found it.
1: Right. So he, he breaks into this apartment and, um, you know, the lounge singer comes home. She finds him, uh, makes him strip naked. Well, he was hiding leave. in
0: her closet because right, right, he, right. he was supposed to get like a signal. And when she came home from his the girl that he has a crush on and she gave yeah. the signal, but he didn't hear it because he was like in the bathroom or something.
1: Yeah, um, he was in the bathroom. He was uh, flushing the toilet. He didn't hear it. But uh, anyway, um, so long story short, you know, he hides in the closet. She finds him. Uh, She makes him strip. Um, It almost leads to a sex scene. But then, like, dude, one of the best cinematic villains of all time shows up. Like, Dennis Hopper, we already know he's a great actor. But, like, this Mm -hmm. is, like, the role, like, after he got into some trouble in Hollywood that kind of, like, put him more into serious um, great actor conversations. Like, Frank Booth is such an evil character, but, like, the way Dennis Hopper plays him, like, it, it teeter-totters between horrible and just laugh-out-loud hysterical.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, like, the scene where he show Go ahead. Well, that intro scene is uh, a way to introduce him as, like, a character. He seems very threatening at first you know because he comes in he you know sit down don't look at me you know don't say anything you right. know and then he goes into, my bourbon. yeah and then he goes into this weird like role play and you know it's just so much of like a distinct jump in his like personality uh, in that one scene alone and you really get to see his acting ability in that scene because he just jumps all over the place and in a good way. Yeah. You know.
1: He keeps sucking on the 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 noxious gas the whole time. Like that's just like yes. that's one of the most creepy things ever. Like he keeps that gas mask around. Um what was I about to say? Like uh from that point on, you kind of know what movie you're into. Like you know that this is a movie that like again, like I feel like this film kind of spoke to America in a way when it came out in nineteen eighty because like there's always been there's always been the the vision of what America is, you know, like green lawns, white picket fence, dogs, and then you go underneath and you see the insects you know the seedy undergrounds, the gangsters, mm-hmm. crime you know um I really feel like this film showed like how schizophrenic America and its promise and what its reality can be uh i I I think when it first came out, it, it this this film really did polarize some people, and and you know, um, for good reason. Like you know, it has like, like like the the first scene we're introduced to the main villain is really a rape scene. Like in that, it I can oh, imagine yeah. like that's pretty jarring.
0: Yeah, because he's definitely you definitely get the idea that this person is you know a terrible person. He is very evil. In his like going through stuff, he's you know, you can tell that he has absolute control of every situation he's in, which just makes Mm -hmm. him even more menacing because no matter what scene he's in, he's in control of everything that's going on around him.
1: I think the juxtaposition of light and dark in this film is, is best explained through a quote that, um, Jeffrey Beaumont's uh crush, played by Laura Dern, she's very young in this film what she says to him she says man i don't know if you're a detective or a pervert i feel like that that's that that sums up perfectly what this film is like either you with this side or you with that side yeah um but i want to talk about uh as it goes on you know and and you know as it goes on jeffrey bowman has more of a sad old masochistic masochistic relationship with this lounge singer while also courting you know, Laura Dern's character. And then it comes to a point where Frank actually sees him and, you know,
0: yeah, where he's leaving the apartment and who is this? This is a neighbor. Oh, okay. Neighbor. Let's go for a ride. Oh, I
1: I don't want to, you don't want to what? I don't want to do it. Do what? A ride. (laughs) Ha ride. Sounds like a great idea. Let's go.
0: Yeah. I, I love that interaction. It's so great. Uh, Yeah, basically, from that point forward, the game or the movie just kind of takes on a new kind of, like, uh, speed in which it's going. Because everything up until that point is very slow. You know, you're kind of getting to know these characters a little bit about them. And you kind of see that these people are kind of messed up a little bit, you know. And then that scene, it just cranks everything up to a thousand
1: yeah, literally. And he's cranking his, uh, the speed on his car up to like, what, what was it, 100 or something? Yeah, they, they were going 100
0: miles an hour.
1: Dude, I love when he shows up to my man's house who lip syncs. Um, Frank goes, this is it. And there's literally a sign in the window that says, this is it. Mm-hmm. And then my man inside, he says, oh, Frank's here. And he just gets up and opens the door. Like, he just automatically exactly knew Frank was there. Yeah. He <laughs> says, what oh. are you drinking? heineken heineken fuck that shit <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: what was it the he starts like using the lamp as like a microphone and mock singing the one thing until right. frank is just like no we're done here we're going you know and just right. his
1: I to ask him to ask him to sing and then all of a sudden he just taps back into his evil self and says
0: i'll fuck anything that moves yeah you know, who else wants to come? You guys want to come with me? Any of you want to go for a ride? And then
1: it's Make like stare at him like, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like going with you, man.
0: Yeah, uh, it's uh, there. He definitely plays that role perfectly. I mean, it almost is at the point of like overacting, but he dials it in perfectly and yeah. he definitely is the reason to watch this movie absolutely
1: <laughs> he definitely is i don't even think it's overacting i feel like that is what the role called for um i feel like one of the it's most it's on funny- the cusp
0: it's like right there on the like border of like amazing acting and overacting
1: i got you i feel like one of the most funny and terrifying scenes is when he He smears lipstick on the dude's face while lip syncing the song, Um, (laughs) the in dream song while a homegirl's dancing on the roof. (laughs) Like it's like that's one of those great scenes in this film. Like and like that's kind of like David Lynch's style, like his surreal style where like you don't know whether to laugh, feel horrified or be like, I I, I don't know how to respond to this
0: scene. Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of scenes like that in this movie like even the one that we talked about before when uh you know it wannabe detective was standing in the closet and watching Frank you know have his weird role play session with Dorothy and you're just going this is this is creepy and hilarious at the same time you know what yeah. what am I supposed to be feeling from this yeah I um
1: I just love the lines in that scene like, like, uh,
0: I'm going to write you a love letter
1: straight for my fucking heart. Yeah.
0: You know what a love letter
1: is? <laughs> no, it's a bullet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so many great quotable moments in this.
1: I, dude, I highly, I, I doubt that it's overacting, man. I feel like that's true passion coming from Dennis Hopper's performance. I, I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's on the cusp. I say it's just right
0: oh it came off as like just on the cusp to me Uh, but in a good way like I wasn't going oh this guy is just taking it too far it was like oh this is great but it's going you know to extreme points sometimes but yeah that's probably what the movie called for at the same time but he stole every scene that he was in
1: oh yeah I feel like the only crime that came out aftermath of this film is that he wasn't even nominated for best supporting actor he didn't even get a nomination i'm i think with other with other like like beyond the oscars i feel like i feel like he did get some not did get some awards like david lynch was nominated for best director but i he didn't get nominated for best supporting actor which is a crime that's yeah. a crime
0: uh, if he was the main actor he would have definitely got some kind of nomination and everything for that same performance the fact that he didn't get it as supporting that's insane yeah. Um,
1: overall, man, I just, I love this film, dude. I even loved the final showdown. Uh, <laughs> he, he walks in with the, uh, with the, with the radio thing saying, I had the radio the whole time, you dumb shit. Oh yeah. He thinks he's in the, <laughs> he he's in the bedroom, says, I'm coming to get you. Hey neighbor. <laughs> he yeah. just runs in there shooting and like this is it's it's so creep, dude it's so creepy but funny at the same time because it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like hitchcocky in a way where it's like we're the ones looking in through the blinds not wanting
0: frank to come get us mm-hmm. yeah this yeah. there's so many great kind of things about his character and yeah i love that ending scene where you know i'm gonna go hide in the bedroom you know bring the police here immediately i had the radio the whole goddamn time <laughs> I heard all of that. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I I absolutely love this movie. I uh, I wasn't sure what I was gonna expect when I went into it, and I, I came out enjoying it.
1: Part of me, dude, I I I gotta admit, part of me was like, man, should I warn Brad? Because some people I know, some people they they don't like films that give them anxiety. Like some some people don't like that, so I, I I try to give them a little bit of a warning. But I'm like, I think I'm going to let him just go in and just see. I'm going to let him just go in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I do enjoy those kind of movies. Obviously, I like Kajillionaire. Um, I think Eighth Grade is one of my favorite movies, you know, of all time. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed Eighth Grade. Um, it was different from what I expected it to be. But I, I enjoyed it because it really did put me back in the middle school.
0: Yeah. Yeah, They're so movies that you kind of watch and it gives you like that anxious feeling or the anxiety or you know i i, I like those movies yeah you know, i'm fully on for watching more of those but yeah it's yeah it, this one was definitely up there it's it's a great movie it's gonna be hard one for me to like recommend to people though yeah you got
1: you got to know your audience like yeah. i knew you would I knew you would be receptive to this. I didn't know if you would like it, but I knew you would be receptive to it. But I don't, I don't know if I would recommend this film to my wife. I don't know if she would like this movie. Um, yeah, you got to know your audience because uh, David Lynch is not for everybody. But I, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Isabella Rossellini, who plays, who plays the lounge singer Dorothy, a lot of the controversy that comes from this film is that people feel that her performance is just used for shock value like there's that one you know disturbing scene uh where she's like she's like in front of the house like like naked because i think she was like beaten and left oh, there yeah and um that leads to like this great scene in the living room where everybody's like just crying because like Laura Dern's character is crying because she realizes Jeffrey has a connection to this woman Jeffrey is emotional because Dorothy is beaten and crying like and the mother doesn't know what to do. Like, that's that's just a great scene in general. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of this movie is, like, pure emotion. But what was your opinion? Do you feel like she's just there for shock value? Or do you feel like her character actually had, like, a voice?
0: I think her character had a voice. Because at the same time, she didn't decide to be there. Uh, she was basically kidnapped, more or less. Because her family was being held hostage. Her yeah. son and I want to say her husband was as well. But... yeah. Yeah, they uh,
1: both were.
0: Does she reconnect with her husband at the end? I know her son.
1: No, her husband, like, uh, remember when Jeffrey goes in the room and he sees the two dead men? And yes. one of them is the cop? The other guy was her husband.
0: Okay, I missed that part then. So. Yeah, yeah. Or I missed that that's who that was. I remember seeing the two bodies because one was in the chair and the other one was kind of standing up. And yeah, I recognized the, the one. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah, she definitely had a voice in that because she was the perspective of somebody that was literally being held captive and abused in order to try and protect other people. And she didn't give up, you know, and she was in this weird situation. And then when, of course, you know, I want to be a detective boy shows up and everything like that. And she, like, sees this hope for you know somebody that can help her get out of this but she has right, to like convince like was, them
1: i feel like she was mentally kidnapped through through most of the film and um i agree i think she does have a voice um i feel like it's a very brave performance because not everybody could like play a victim like that uh but i i yeah i, I don't think she was just used for shock value um i gotta say though uh yeah, um overall, man, this film it, I the first time I watched it, I was kind of I was thrown off, but um I just love how dude, I love that cheesy shot in the end with the mechanical robin with the insect in its mouth. Oh, yeah. And uh like it's a strange world. Like <laughs> like you you can tell that robin is mechanical, but it's like that cheesy ending belongs so much in this film. Like, any other film, that, that wouldn't have worked.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, also, everything kind of comes to a nice close in the ending right before that happens. So, yeah. you know, Dorothy is uh, able to go back Talking to her son. son. Yep. Uh,
1: I love that final shot. That final shot is more more po- poignant to me.
0: Yeah, that that's an impactful shot right there. Because the entire time, you're kind of wondering, you know, is... Frank going to just kill them and everything. And yeah, it's because he is an absolute psychotic mobster. You know, Mm. there's no telling what he will or will not do, you know, for all, you know, he already killed them and he's still just holding her captive and going, I'll kill them. If you don't do what I say, you know, and they're already dead. So, right. It's, it's a very big moment where she's actually with her son and, and, then uh the detective and the one girl decide to continue on with their relationship uh he's not a detective man he's just he's just a regular college kid yeah i keep forgetting i guess i
1: guess he i guess he deserves that title after going through that wild ride uh i guess guess.
0: but yeah it's because every time that like he uh is doing something he's doing detective work in some way so i always just kind of go oh yeah he's just a detective (laughs) It's the easier way to explain it in my head
1: <laughs> yeah man um i feel like there's just so many themes and motifs to this film that like if you're willing to let it wash all over you um it's an ultimately rewarding experience if you if you kind of just go with it um straight up five out of five this is a this is an american masterpiece
0: Yeah, I got to I got to put this one up there as well. It's it's a great movie. It's going to be a hard one to recommend to people. Like, I don't even think I can come off with people off the top of my head that would watch this and come out with the same experience of like, I enjoyed that Uh, because it is a very like surreal kind of movie. It. I don't
1: know. I don't think on the first watch you enjoy it. I think on subsequent watches you enjoy it. The first watch is just straight up to expose
0: you to it. See, I enjoyed
1: it on my first watch. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe, uh, well, you know, different strokes for different folks.
0: Yeah. Because, but at the same time, the scenes that, like, made me enjoy this movie could be different scenes than, you know, what you have seen on, like, second, third, and et cetera watches. You know, I'm sure if I watch it again, I'll get different scenes where I go, okay, this is, you know, I like this a lot more after knowing how this plays out.
1: I got to ask you, though, man, uh, I know this might be a hard one, but, you know. All right. Which one which one's better in your opinion? Which one's better? Blue Velvet or Good Time?
0: Good Time. I, I would put this ahead of Blue Velvet.
1: I feel like Good Time is a more entertaining watch, but I think Blue Velvet left more of an impact on me like not even like how old it is
0: like like just mm. comparing them side to side like blue velvet kind of stays in your head a little longer see if both movies came out like today and i watched them side by side I, I think good time would still be the better one for me uh it this is at all not knocking on blue velvet at all because we're no, basically no, this is one of, of those not. few times no, we're no. putting up two like amazing movies against each other and it's right, like different eras yeah but yeah, Good Time, I just, it, that movie spoke a lot more with the whole, like, criminal underbelly and getting to see the actual criminal mindset and everything. So, the, the you actually follow the villain as the main character in Good Time, which I love. We don't see that perspective in movies very often where we're actually following the bad guy. So, mm. it for that, it kind of sticks out a little bit more to me. Uh, Blue Velvet is great. It has a great villain. It has, you know, this nice surreal story. Everything kind of fits into place perfectly. It's a great movie, but Good Time is one that I feel like if I was sitting down and went, I have two hours to kill and I have these two movies I can watch again. I'm probably going to watch Good Time again.
1: Of course, yeah, I got you. I just feel like, because there's more to unpack with Blue Velvet, I, I give that the slight edge. But I kinda stand good time is like it's 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 a it's an infectious entertaining ride. I kinda stand for the for the for the thrill of movie watching, I understand how good time wins out.
0: Oh yeah. So but yeah, that's all right. That's there our thoughts is. on those two amazing movies. Uh go watch them both.
1: Oh, absolutely um know what you get well if you listen to this whole thing you know how blue Velvet, you know listen if, if you're listening to us uh with our opinions on movies i mean this is double feature versus you know we're going to get into spoilers yeah. uh yeah if you if you watch these films before you listen to us good job if you want to go watch them after you listen to us uh well,
0: more power to you
1: <laughs> more power to you cuz sometimes spoilers I hate spoilers with films I really want to see. But uh, with some films, I'm like, alright, that's what happens in the end. i like to know how that leads up to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between spoilers and explaining story. Uh, you know, right. a spoiler is basically, you know, Darth Vader is Luke's father. It, that's a spoiler. That's just a dick move to blurt something out like that. Oh,
1: there, dude, it's something
0: different than going, you know, hey, you know, in this movie, we really get to see the connection between these characters and how you know it represents where the movie's gonna go forward.
1: Did I ever tell you the story about how um, this didn't happen to me, but somebody uh, was at a theater and uh, they had a uh, they had walked out of a screening of a uh, Force Awakens, and there was a line, uh, there was a line to go to the next showing, and some some dick screamed out. Han solo dies. And like I think I think he had got a little hurt. I think some people kind of like 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 beat him up for telling <laughs> him that.
0: Good. If the person wants to be that stupid, the like I get joy out of ruining somebody else's fun. Those people are idiots. And if something terrible happens to them, I will happily look the other way.
1: <laughs> my dude, one of my best friends, um, he had thought that I had uh, read the third book of Game of Thrones. I hadn't watched the series yet. I was going to read the books first. He ruined mm. the Wed wedding for me. Oh, d- oh! He's like, oh man, that's trippy how such and such died. I'm like, dude, I'm not even there yet. He says, oh, oh, oh my bad. <laughs> He's like, you're bad. I didn't, I didn't know what was
0: going to happen. <laughs> you're bad. You just spoiled one of the biggest scenes in the entire series. Right. But yeah, it's yeah. yeah, spoilers absolutely suck and everything like that. Uh I definitely try and keep from spoiling people, uh especially when I'm like recommending a movie. It's, usually I go, you know, go in blind. You'll like this one, trust me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you on that. Um speaking of a uh, movie watching, you seen anything recently?
0: uh I watched these. I actually went back and I rewatched Ten Cloverfield Lane again because I was in like that thriller mindset after watching these two movies. I wanted to watch something Solid else. Solid movie. I I love that movie. It's one of my favorite all time movies. Uh, because even the original script for it, uh, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called like bunker or shelter or something before that, and. Even if you take out like the Cloverfield aspects of it, it it's a great movie. It definitely holds up. I kind of wish that we would have gotten the original ending from the script in that one though, because I think that one's a little bit more impactful than, you know, how that one actually ended.
1: Mm. Dude, I um, I uh, I love the one scene that's memorable to me from that movie is like when Homegirl um gets to the i'm calling her home girl but the the main character she uh she 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 steps out for a minute or i think she's about to step out and this one lady who has blood
0: all over her says oh my god help me help me answer oh, the door yeah and she just because she, she like hesitates. comes up to the door and she starts slamming on the window right and,
1: and like she hesitates to open the door and you don't know what's wrong with this lady all you know is there's chaos outside and like I know you would probably ask yourself, eh, would I open the door? And it's like I don't I don't think so because she's like you don't know what's wrong with her, you don't know what's going on outside. It's just that like that 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 paranoia feel.
0: Yeah. Well, even everything up to that point, she's being told, you know, everything's dead outside. There's nothing out there anymore. You know, the air is unbreathable. If you go out there, you will die, you know. And then she's like trying to escape because she doesn't believe it. And then all of a sudden she sees somebody that's like bloody, you know, she has cuts all over herself and everything like that, like these bruises and she's trying to get into the shelter. And, you know, it's one of those moments where she goes, hold on, what is going on outside? There there is something to this. This isn't, maybe I'm not just being kidnapped here. And yeah, I love that movie so much.
1: Yeah, John Gillen was pretty good in that movie, too.
0: Oh, he's fantastic in that movie. Just every time that he, like, goes to crack his knuckles and everything like that, and he, like, uh, pulls the fist and everything, it's just like, oh, this is so great. Uh, what was the game that they were playing? The Not Pictionary. It was the uh, Guessing it's Game. It's been
1: a while since I saw it. Uh, yeah. Was it Guess Who?
0: It's something like that, and it's, you know i i know what you've been up to i see everything that you're doing and everything and it it's just such a tense moment because they've been kind of trying to go around his back to escape and everything like that and he's pulling this and it's santa claus yeah it's santa claus that's what i had on the card good job guessing you know <laughs> and I, I just yeah. love those tense moments and everything it, it this uh that movie is great
1: yeah, that is a pretty solid movie. I never watched the third one, though. Was it The Cloverfield Paradox?
0: Uh, do not watch that one. Uh, that movie was absolutely horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Uh, if I'm really I'm, if I'm really invested in a series, I'll still watch a sequel, even if it sucks. I know one day I'm probably going to watch the, the last Saw film that was made, Jigsaw, just because I've seen all the rest of them. I, not that I think it's going to be necessarily good. I'm just going to watch it just to watch it.
0: Jigsaw so, wasn't that good uh i am curious to see what happens with the chris rock oh, the chris
1: rock one that's yeah. gonna be
0: amazing uh got... spiral spiral that's what it's called yeah i was trying to remember i knew it wasn't called like saw 17 or whatever uh
1: dude it looks like we might have a few films to watch come this christmas man uh wonder woman 84 is coming to hbo max
0: which is disappointing uh, because we won't get it in 4k then Uh,
1: Disney Pixar Soul is coming to Disney Plus yep yeah we got a few uh, Hot Topic releases coming I'm not a big fan of Godzilla revival films or reboot films but Godzilla vs Kong might be coming to streaming
0: Um, yeah I think it's HBO and Netflix are in a bidding war for it right now
1: yeah Uh, I don't you know I don't care about that 4k stuff man
0: Oh, I do, but at the same time I have an entire theater room set up like perfectly, which is I why I'm rooting for Netflix to win uh the Godzilla versus Kong because they actually have 4K streaming on their platform.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh yeah, man, looks like uh this corona thing is not letting up and, and you know uh theaters are finally saying, "Okay, you win, universe. We'll put this stuff out on streaming."
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Disney is in a weird spot with it too because they've they released Mulan, but they released it to paying an extra $25 to watch it or something like that or $30, that's what it was. Yeah, I wasn't going to pay that price. Right. And then now they're giving us Pixar Soul for free with the Disney Plus subscription. Uh, but they're still holding on to the Black Widow movie. On the flip I side, risk- you have WB that's kind of going, "Okay, uh Godzilla versus King Kong, we're gonna just throw that onto a streaming platform. You guys fight over who gets it. Uh Wonder Woman, we're gonna throw that onto HBO Max. You know.
1: Let me tell you something, man. I'm so tired of hearing about this Justice League Snyder cut. Like I'm I'm tired of the, you know, the Ray Fisher versus Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon versus uh uh Snacks Snyder. Just release the damn movie. Like it doesn't need to be a five hour series. Like, are you serious? <laughs> really
0: really well originally it was going to be a justice league part one and part two and wb stopped uh snyder and told him you get one movie and so now that he's like has the reins of control again he's going back to doing his part one part two which is going to be like a four-hour series overall
1: this better be a masterpiece you understand me this better be a masterpiece
0: Oh, I guarantee I there's some people at HBO Max's like CEO table going, I swear to God, if this gets anything less than 10 out of 10 stars from every critic, we are going to, you know, fire everybody that had anything to do with this movie and ruin them forever because they spent so much in rebooting everything for this.
1: I better look at this movie and say, you know what? Dawn of the Dead is no longer Zack Snyder's best film. This is his best work. I better look at this film and say that, man.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I'm just expecting to watch this movie and then at the end go, "Yeah, I guess that was different than the one in theaters."
1: <laughs> like I don't think if I watch David Ayer's director's cut of Suicide Squad that is really going to make me change my mind. Like I I I mean it'll be interesting to see more scenes of Leto as the Joker and apparently he's supposed to be in Justice League the uh, Snyder cut. But I don't know if it's really going to change my mind about the film. Like, oh, okay, that's just more stuff. So, all right.
0: See, uh, so the difference between the Zack Snyder cut and a David Ayer cut, uh, the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad, I think, would actually change my opinion on that movie because a lot of my, you know problems with that movie came with the editing and with the fact that the movie was edited and produced by a company that makes movie trailers
1: oh yeah you told me that
0: so i can see a david Aircut actually improving that movie substantially just having it actually you know laid out and played through the way that he scripted and shot those scenes instead of giving those same scenes to another company and going make a movie
1: I got you. Um two things. Uh I um I I just rewatched probably my favorite documentary of all time. You watch sports documentaries 30 for not 30? Not really. You know, I'm not I'm not really a sports guy, but I love sports documentaries especially when they cover controversial topics um like like you know O.J. Simpson and the O.J. Simpson trial, right? Oh yeah.
0: 100%.
1: Dude, the best documentary i've ever seen i put it one inch above hoop dreams which is another great documentary uh it's called oj made in america it's like a five hour plus documentary but it doesn't go it doesn't feel
0: like five hours when you're watching it it's just is that the one that was on amc
1: it was on espn it was part of the 30 for 30 series so um i think i think uh amc probably uh replayed it but it, it it has a it has a great juxtaposition as it it chronicles the rise and fall, you know, of fame and infamy of O. J. Simpson's career and like opposes that with um the rise of racial tensions in LA and America. And it's just it all culminates to the O. J. Simpson trial, you know, the unforgettable verdict and everything that follows after that. Like it's just it won an Oscar for best documentary and I feel like it deserves it.
0: Yeah. Uh I've definitely watched a lot of documentaries on that trial and everything like that, and oh, this is unlike anything else. Okay, I'll add this to the list. I'll check this it out then.
1: This ain't a court TV documentary where you know they they focus on little minute details. Like this, this looks at the whole thing from a wide angle lens, and it's just it, it's just it's just perfect
0: yeah i will say i the best part of like the court case that everybody always does is the glove scene i i just love the look on his face when in the actual video just holds up his hand just tries to put on the glove this smug little look of it's not fitting i don't know what to tell you he
1: goes full nicholas cage trying to put on that glove yeah
0: basically i love it You
1: know, (laughs) or full naked gun because he was a naked gun so that's what he was known for back then yeah um yeah, man. Uh, the glove scene was infamous. Cato, Caitlyn's uh, little uh, deposition—I don't know about deposition—but his whole little time on the on the uh, uh, bench was in- interesting. Like, I'm obsessed with the O.J. Simpson trial because he's such a fascinating, controversial person. Like, he's a dude that when you when you when you take a glance at him, you think he's given up facade, but it's like the more you get to know him through interviews and stuff, he's like, dude, I think this guy believes in his own image. Yeah, because like. He's such a character that that's like you don't look at him and say O.J. Simpson, black athlete like to like to to um, America back then. He transcended race. Like he wasn't black and O.J. He was O.J. like like he was he was straight up O.J. Simpson. He, there was no race tied to his name. He was just he was O.J. He
0: right. was the
1: Hurts guy. He was naked gun. And like how all of that crumbled with this with this trial is just so fascinating to me. Like yeah, that's it's, a,
0: it's definitely a case study for a reason when it comes yeah. to this trial. And, yeah, it's one that's taught in basically every law school and everything like that for a major reason. It was a huge trial.
1: There was some genius moments in that trial. Like, they both were very – both sides were very keen, and it was it was a pretty solid fight like on both sides because I think it stopped being about um, – let's get justice for the murders of, you know, Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman to like, no, let's just win this trial. We, just, mm-hmm. we Let's just win. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely check that out. Oh, definitely do, man. That's, oh, that's brilliant. Like, I feel like you should check out other ESPN 30 for 30 films. Like, even if you're not a sports guy, they make some pretty good document documentaries. Um, They had one about Lance, Lance Armstrong. And I, He's another guy I'm fascinated by that had a great rise, rise and fall. Um, but yeah, I uh, I basically rewatched that, and uh, that's
0: pretty much it for me. Yeah. Oh, and then the new Animaniacs reboot—I'm loving it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You told me about that. So you enjoying it, huh?
0: Oh yeah. That it's actually surprising me quite a bit. I it's bringing back the memories of the '90s Animaniacs.
1: Yeah, I got to get back in The Primal cuz I had started that and I uh, I I didn't get a chance to finish oh, it. Oh, that's
0: right. You, how far into that did you get? I'm still in season 1. I'm like uh Well, that's all there is so far.
1: No, season well, part 2 of season 1 just aired.
0: Yeah. So, it's still uh, all season 1. I'm on episode 3. Oh, so you're still Okay, you're like halfway before they took the break cuz I think se- episode 6 was when yeah. they took the break.
1: I'm before the break, but um, I can't wait for the last episode of this new season of Fargo to air so I can watch this whole new season with uh, Chris Rock as the lead. And from what I'm hearing, he's doing a great job.
0: Yeah, that's one show that I have on my list, but I haven't started watching yet.
1: Oh, man. Oh, man, you got to get into that. Are you a Ryan Murphy fan? Yeah. Okay, uh, so you, you like American Horror Story, or are you more of a nip-tuck American Crime Story guy? or?
0: Uh, I did American Horror Story up to season three uh, because that was the carnival one right
1: Uh, no Freak Show I believe was season four like I I watched the first two seasons Um,
0: so I watched um, the carnival scene was the last one that I watched
1: yeah I think he's a very fascinating controversial uh, storyteller man I feel like everything he makes even if you don't like the story you can't deny that his work is entertaining right like and um, and I also implore you to watch season one of American Crime Story, where they cover the O.J. Simpson trial. Like that's uh, the document, the documentary, and the uh, season
0: one of American Crime Story.
1: They're both great.
0: But uh, yeah, it's, he definitely has some good work out there with uh, American Horror Story.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has some great influences. I think I I started Nip Tuck a while ago um like season one that's a pretty interesting show that's i didn't get
0: into that one i tried watching a couple episodes of the first season and it just didn't grab me and i just stopped watching it
1: it's not for everybody it's kind of a provocative thriller like it's not it's not for everybody uh but it's it's an interesting show
0: i'll give it that yeah
1: all right y'all we kind of rambled off a little bit there but you know that's that's how we do here this is natural conversation what
0: we do (laughs)
1: Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, Have a great one.